chapter 15 and the parable of the prodigal son with God's word open before us let's just pray for a moment Father we pray uh, that your Holy Spirit would move amongst us uh, revealing to us um, our hearts, uh, our need uh, the saviour and how to live in this world as a result and we pray this in Jesus name Amen. Amen. You read um, these stories from time to time where um, a camera has been found and, and the person who, who found it uh, puts up a post on, on social media uh, with some of the photographs and uh, someone uh, it's shared widely enough that, that someone who knows someone on the photograph uh, spots them and, and eventually uh, the, the person that owns the camera is, uh, is reunited with their honeymoon photographs in, in the Caribbean or something like this. It's a, it's a good news story uh, that warms your heart on, on a, perhaps a day of bad news stories. Photographs can be very precious. But more precious still are people. Um, how about the story of Mao Yin? Mao Yin um, was abducted at uh, two years of age. Uh, from the entrance of a hotel in Xi'an in central China in October 1988. Uh, He was sold to a childless couple for £700 or thereabouts and he was reunited with his family after a tip-off and a DNA test on the 19th of May this year. That's 32 years later. He'd been raised uh, by another family, given another name. Uh, He was uh, reunited with his mother uh, 32 years later. What a story that is. That's incredible, isn't it? Jesus' uh, parables are not just heart warmers, uh, as we saw last week. Uh, They come with uh, with something of a a bite. They come with a a myrrh in your your face. sort of self-examination type thing, don't they? And this one, this one that we're looking at this morning deals with all of the emotions surrounding a lost son. Or is it just one? And this is the third of three stories in Luke chapter 15 about, about lost things, which all eventually result in celebration. Uh, we have the lost sheep at the beginning of the chapter, uh, which um, the shepherd leaves the, the 99 others uh, out in the open countryside to find. And uh, when he finds it, he carries it on his shoulders and he rejoices. And, and then there's the lost coin, which uh, the woman uh, takes the house apart uh, to, until she finds it. And in both cases, they, they call a party uh, for their friends and neighbours. They're so overjoyed. And this time, it's a lost son. A much longer story in Luke 15. Uh, Let's let's call the first character uh, that we consider uh, the obvious rebel. The obvious rebel. The the first character is uh, is the younger brother that Jesus mentions in this story. And um, as we can see, he wants his freedom. He's had enough of living under his father's roof. and, And so he asks for his inheritance early. If you imagine such a request today and the, and the boldness of it and the, and the bare-facedness of it, you get something close to, to the sense of this. Uh, the, the younger son has the, has the audacity to approach his, his dad and say, you know that money that I'm getting when you die? Well, it seems that you're taking too long about that. Can I have it now, please? 
<laughs> I want to get as far away from you as I can. Basically, I wish you were dead. Uh, I want to be free from you and your house rules. Show me the money. And we're shocked now, aren't we? When you put it like that. Can you imagine how the father would have felt? I mean, all that the father has done for him. uh, All that he's done in in raising his boy and teaching him all that he knows. And and feeding him and, and putting a roof over his head for all those years. He's brazen, isn't he? What a low life. I don't want you. I just want your money. And and we're shocked, and rightly so. But isn't this how people react to God all the time? God, I I quite enjoy your stuff. I I like the health and, and the nice comfortable life and the nice house. And I like the money in my pocket. Can I have some more, please? Give me your things. But I don't want you... No, 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 I I don't want a relationship with you. No, no, let me have my freedom. I want to live as far from you as I can. I want to live as if you don't exist. Isn't that that the way people react to God? And the son, he he takes his freedom and he takes his goodies and, and and he goes off to the far country. Clearly he's heard that that's the place to be. The son is now lost to his father. But from the son's perspective, well, that's, it's, it's willful, isn't it? The, the son's lost to his father, but, but he wants to go. We know this parable as the parable of the prodigal son. And people think from that that the word prodigal means lost. But it doesn't. It, it actually means lavish or, or, or extravagant. For the son, as soon as he gets away, he, he begins to waste money. He's, he's very extravagant. No doubt he's found others to waste it with. And the word uh, used for reckless living in the ESV means loose living or, or immoral living. And when he's throwing the money around him, and of course you can only spend it once, as my dad always taught me, uh, the circumstances around him change fast. He's not only poor, but now there's a shortage of food in in the land in general. There's a famine in the far country. Uh, The brochure is always better than the resort turns out to be. How he imagined it back in verse 12 is is not how it turned out. And isn't isn't that the way with with sin? (laughs) The, The brochure is always better than the resort. It's always better in your head and in the desire than it turns out to be. I mean, it starts off well, of course it does. But quickly, quickly it turns sour and and empty and and you just want more and and it goes downhill. Sin cities cold and empty. That's the lyrics from a song on TikTok. I don't know if you've heard it over lockdown, but it, it tells you the truth, doesn't it? It's cold and empty. Eventually. Oh, it'll be fun to have an affair. But then it'll ruin everything. It'll be fun to try drugs or to get in with a bad company. But then it ruins everything. The son begins to get desperate. And wisely enough, uh, he looks for a job. uh, and, And he's desperate enough as a Jewish boy to be willing to feed pigs. The Old Testament law clearly states that that pigs are unclean animals. And of course, if you weren't going to eat them, you weren't going to keep them. So you wouldn't have kept pigs. 
He certainly would have known that. He, he was as low as he could go. Well, not quite. He isn't because uh, the hunger air strikes him further and he, and he begins to look at the, at the pods that, that, that he's feeding the pigs and he thinks, oh, I could eat them. He's as unclean himself as the pigs. He's starving to death, it says in verse 17. That's where this leads you. Rebellion leads you to death, ultimately. He realizes he's in trouble. Look at verse 17. He came to himself, it says. He was... um, he saw that the far country on the brochure was really nice, but the reality was the pigsty. And his thoughts, well, they began to return, don't they, to the father's place. Uh, he thinks about going back there. He, he, yeah, that, 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 sounds like a, that sounds like a plan. But, but he's not going to go back to being a son. No, no, he knows he's burned that bridge. I mean, he couldn't possibly expect to be treated like a son after what he's done and shunning and, and shaming the father like that he, no he's planning on going back to be a hired servant he's going to go to his father with this sort of pre-prepared speech we, we have it there I, I have sinned against heaven and before you now that sounds like that sounds like repentance doesn't it that sounds like a good idea uh, toward, that sounds like you know he's, he's turning around his life but We need to be careful here because this prayer, I have sinned against heaven and before you, actually has been heard before in our Bible. Now I wonder would you turn with me to Exodus chapter 10. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 10 for a moment and read one verse. Verse 16. And this is what it says. Exodus 10 verse 16. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said. I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. This was hasty. says that. This was a reaction uh, to Pharaoh uh, realizing he was in big trouble. Now we're, we're in the middle of the plagues right. This is plague number eight has happened. That's the locusts. And Pharaoh doesn't want any more. And so he says hastily, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. But this confession, if you know the story, is swiftly followed by a return to his old ways. By uh, some, It's clearly shallow. Uh, it's short-lived. It's, a, it's an AA or RAC sort of prayer. I'm in trouble. Please can you tow me up the motorway and I'll not need you anymore. I don't want to speak to you every day. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you, know, you wouldn't ring the AA and say, you know, can, we, can we have a chat every morning, 9 o'clock? No, you wouldn't. This isn't their makings of a, of a relationship at all. He doesn't want to be right with the father. He doesn't expect a son-father relationship here. No, he, he just knows he's in trouble, right? He, he wants bread for his stomach because he's hungry. He knows that the father treats servants better than this. Uh, he wants to go there and, and earn his bread. He knows that any servant in his father's house fares better than him. But that's not what the father wants. 
as we meet our second character. He's the generous reconciler. What's this story about, you ask? What's this story about? If you ask uh, my younger daughter, uh, she'll tell you it's about the pigs. She's got a little bit of an obsession when we read this story. It's, It's about a lost son. Yeah, certainly. But what about this loving father? Isn't he incredible? It's about that too. The real hero of this story is not hard to spot. The father is the one who's been offended, right? He's the one who's who's given up everything for this son, for him to to rebel and reject him. The father is the one who's every right to be angry, every right to to give him the cold shoulder. And yet, before the son has said a word of apology... Before the son has given him a hint of his plan, what's the father doing? He's out looking for him. He's out looking for him. And he spots him, doesn't he? One day he spots him, he, he finds him, his lost son. And you see, the real turning point in the story is not when the son came to himself, in verse 17, that's just him trying to help himself he's not seeking any reconciliation with the father no 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 the real turning point in the story is verse 20 but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him who made the first reconciling move it's the father isn't it it's not the son he's still in his sorry state Still a long way off. He's still in his sin. Uh, He hasn't uttered a word. Uh, He wants to have a good go at earning his way back to the father. But the father's having none of it. No, no, no. The father acts, doesn't he? He he acts in love. He, He runs to him. Before a word is uttered, he's out there with his arms wide open. Reaching out to him. Eastern men didn't run because of clothing reasons, right? You'd had to got that whole dress short, you know, yacked up like this and ran. You just you wouldn't have ran for a pension. But this 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 father runs. He runs. And notice how he cuts short the well rehearsed statement. Father, son says, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, verse eighteen and nineteen. Both of those things are completely true. He's about to say, make me one of your hired servants. But he doesn't get to because the father intervenes, doesn't he? The father has already called for the best robe. He gets a ring on his finger and he gets shoes on his feet. Quick smart. And he orders the killing of the fattened calf. He orders a party. This is not the cold shoulder. This is not servant treatment either. This is, this is son treatment. Isn't that right? The love of the father here is, is, is incredible. Uh, he, he, he spent the, the inheritance, remember? He deserves to be shunned. What he might get is the offer of servanthood. But no, <laughs> worthiness doesn't come into it. <laughs> because he gets the son treatment. The generosity of this father is is incredible. A fattened calf is enough to feed the entire village. It's a lot of food. A whole village would have known the story, right? We're coming to a party. The sun's back again. 
who would see the extent that the father is willing to go to to make sure his son is safe and sound, uh, the Bible tells us. Uh, the mother of, of Mao Yin went to great efforts to find him. Uh, she started with posters in the city where, where they lived. Uh, she quit her job uh, and handed out 100,000 leaflets in various, various provinces of China without success. She appeared on Chinese television on numerous occasions, uh, even on their own version of the X Factor, to appeal for information. She followed over 300 leads with nothing until the 19th of May 2020. While you were in lockdown, she was celebrating. This is not the lavish, extravagant son. This is the story of the lavish, extravagant hero father. The prodigal father, really. The extent that he will go to. The amount he is able to forgive is incredible. The compassion and love are striking. The desire to reconcile, the willingness to celebrate is actually remarkable. And it's a picture of salvation, isn't it? It's a picture of salvation. That while we were yet sinners, God acts and Christ dies for us. What a picture of restoration and relationship with God. What a picture of, of grace in God rescuing sinners like you and me. You realise that in Christ you're, you're safe and sound. Maybe you need to hear that word this morning. You're safe and sound in Christ. What a place to be. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. But who is he? If the lost son is a rebel sinner like all of us by birth. Who's the father in the story? Who does the father represent? Well to many people it's an easy question. Well he must be God the father. And I can see why people think that. But have a look at the start of the chapter with me. Look at verse 2. Look 15. Look at verse 2. Who, who's the one who's receiving sinners and eating with them? It's Jesus, isn't it? But who is it that looks for sinners to rescue? The three stories in, in this chapter all have, well, several things in common. Uh, they, they have something lost, uh, they have someone looking, searching uh, until they find it, and then there's a party at the end to celebrate. Jesus is not really a shepherd, but in the story he's the one out looking for the lost sheep. Jesus is not a woman, he certainly isn't, but, but he's represented by the one looking for the lost coin. And Jesus is not really a father. But who is it that came to seek and save the lost? In Luke chapter 19 verse 10. It was the son of man who came to seek and save the lost. The hero is the father and will not argue but I reckon the father is Jesus. For who is it that clothes us in his righteousness? In his best robe which is surely his own robe. Who is it that the Pharisees are angry with at the start of the chapter? Which leads us on to our third character, nicely. The obvious rebel is the sinner, the generous reconciler is Jesus. But what about the angry refuser? Did you notice him? 
As the party music and dancing begins, there's, there's another character that needs our attention. He was out in the field working, and he's heard the party. He's the elder brother. For, of course, there are two sons in this story, don't forget. And he's none too impressed. And you can see his point of view, can't you? I mean, I mean he hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, the, the younger brother ran off. Uh, all these years he's been a good lad. Uh, he served and he served. He never disobeyed the father's command. He kept the law. Yet he tells us that his younger brother has spent money on prostitutes. And, and there's, there's, there's been no fat and calf for him. Not even so much as a young goat. The lost son stands in complete contrast to the good son. But I want you to notice that there are actually two lost sons in this passage. One is an obvious rebel, but the other is a legalist. One is a sinner and the other is is a slave. One disgraces his father publicly with a moral, reckless living in the far country. The other disgraces his father when he casts a a big no-confidence vote at the biggest event and public feast he's ever put on. Look how he speaks to him. Look at verse 29. Look, he says. It's like saying, look you. Look you. This is outrageous behaviour. This is shaming the father in front, of the, in front of the village. All these years I've served you. And that's the crux of it, isn't it? I've served. Moral conformity is his way to pleasing the father, or, or trying to. But his relationship with the father is in tatters too, isn't it? Look how he speaks to him. Look where he positions himself. He's outside too. He's not at the party. He's at the back gate. Slaves think that they can earn their way to God by by behaving themselves. They don't like stories of deathbed conversions of known sinners. That really winds them up. That makes them angry because it's not fair. But slaves, slaves aren't sons either. The Pharisees are clearly in Jesus' mind here as he tells this story as they listen in. This story is aimed at their uh, their rule-keeping way to God. Those who claim to have kept the commands. And and as they grumble at Jesus eating with with known sinners in verse 2. It's pure self-righteousness, isn't it? Like the elder brother thinking and claiming that he and the father are tight. You know, they're in good terms when they're not. When they're not. Because when it all blows up, well clearly they're not on the same page at all. He wants no place in the celebration. But notice that that's not where Jesus wants to leave him. The father has to come out of the party to speak to him, but, but he does that. And, and verse 28, he, he entreated him. He, in other words, he begged him to come in. But he refuses. This son is lost too. It's all there. All the father has, has is there for him. He, he's, he's, he's already got his inheritance too, if you read back in verse 12, right? But what about his relationship with the father? He would rather be a slave than a beloved son. He's as lost at the back fence as the other son is in the pigsty. He doesn't understand grace. You could put it like that. 
He thinks it's a, it's a league table of goodness. You know, where are you on the league table? And as long as you're above somebody else. No, no, it's not like that. He thinks that good slaves can earn their way, but they can't. And which are you this morning? A slave or a sinner? Perhaps um, you're enjoying all the good of God's green earth, but refusing to have anything to do with him. But in your freedom, it's only going to go one way. Your self-interest will lead you to hunger, uh, and to, to moral filth, uh, to a downward spiral. It promises you the earth, but it never delivers. It, it never brings you fulfillment. It just leads you to look for the next big thing, the next big hit. And soon enough, you're in serious trouble. And your rebellion from God, you're, you're keeping your distance, plenty of, plenty of social distancing from God going on, is only going to result in lost, eternally lost, and punishment. Or are you a slave, trying to earn your way back, but by not being as bad as him or her, uh, by sticking to the rules, but, but being angry and bitter as someone less worthy seems to be experiencing and, and enjoying forgiveness and love in Christ. But that's slavery. Because the self-help project is not going to work. The rules are God's rules. And you know what? It's impossible to keep them. No, a relationship with Jesus is the only hope that any of us have. But what about Christians? I speak mainly to Christians, of course, this morning. Don't be surprised that we're prone to this too. You know, we're certainly prone to sin sinner, right? We're still battling with the old nature, that old prevalence to wander off and, and we need the Father uh, to, to welcome us back with his open arms and, and he does, you know? If you've wandered off, if, 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 the, if the promise of something else has ensnared you, repent and come back this morning. His mercy is more. His compassion is there. His arms are open. But aren't we also possible slaves you ever ever find that you you harbor a a judgmental spirit or or ever find yourself comparing yourself or or even keeping score with others having a lower view of someone else or ever have that suspicion that you're earning God's favor by being a good Christian that you're somehow doing better and more in his favour by, by, by doing that that's a, an elder brother's attitude because we need to remember the gospel Jesus is not looking for someone to pay he's looking for a son someone who runs to hugs and, and, and who he runs to who he hugs who he welcomes into his open arms despite what we've done Someone who understands that you can't earn it. Someone who knows he's not worthy. Who's burnt all them bridges years ago. Someone who the Lord doesn't deal with on the basis of our moral record. For that would result in every single one of us being shut out. It would. Someone who who knows 
that they are a receiver of God's goodness, a receiver of grace. For all of our hard work is just as good as the pigsty. Salvation is by the free and generous gift of God. It's by grace. A beloved son that was lost and is now found. A generous, reconciling father. An angry refuser. Beloved sons are celebrated. Beloved sons are forgiven. Beloved sons are welcomed with open arms. Beloved sons are clothed in Christ's righteousness. They're safe and sound. Are you a sinner? A slave? Or are you a son? Let's bow our heads together in a word of prayer.